Welcome to another episode of I Love This, You Should Too. My name is Indy Randawa, and with me is my currently snail-soaking co-host, Samantha Hees. Hello, Indy. Hi. How are you? I'm so, so tired. Yeah, that's what happens when you go for a big brunch. I don't have anything to complain about that I'm tired. Like, oh, I worked so hard today. We just ate a lot. Yeah, we had a late night last night. Oh, yeah, had a late night, went for a big brunch. And now we want to sleep. But no, we're going to make this podcast. For you. Yeah, not just for our own vanity. (laughs) (laughs) That's not it at all. we definitely don't do that. (laughs) Well, today I am going to be telling Samantha what our next movie is. But before that, maybe we'll do some uh, picks of the week. What do you think? Sure. Indy, do you have a pick of the week? I do, because I know how this podcast works and I prepared one. Oh, nice. Good job. So remember when we watched Parasite? Yes. I feel like I should talk about Parasite a little bit. It was pretty good. And now the Oscar nominations have come out. And in case I haven't explicitly said it on this show, the Oscars are a sham. They mean nothing. If you're going to give a nomination to Avatar for Best Picture, can we really take anything seriously? (laughs) I think it's really funny that you mention this like almost every episode. Avatar is one of the worst movies ever made. Avatar and how much you hate the Academy Awards. Usually in the same kind of little sentence. Because that's an easy example. If you just look at the list this year, I'm sure you'll find many more examples. Yeah. And we all know like the problems with the Academy Awards and representation and all that sort of stuff, but uh, they are meaningless. Are you just shopping right now? No, I just looked at an email and it had something cool in it, so I'm going to look at it later. You turned it off only when I called you out on it. What no, was I was Was it a curling iron? Yeah. Mm. Sally. Those it's Sally emails are <laughs> deadly. Is it a pretty sweet curling iron? Yeah, it rotates. It rotates? Yeah, so you don't have to like rotate it. It rotates itself. Right. Otherwise, you just have to hold it and then spin your head around, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, I just spin my head in a circle. Huh. Yeah, this will be much easier, probably much better on your neck. Yeah, like my neck does get very tired after doing my hair. Oh, yeah. Parasite. Parasite. Parasite is a movie by Bong Joon-ho. It's a Korean film. It came out this year. I think it did get a Best Picture nomination. Oh, did it? But I'm sure because the cast isn't white, there's probably no actor nominations. That's usually mm. how it goes. That they'll give like a pity vote for a picture overall. Right. Just like, remember the Slumdog Millionaire year? Yes. Where it had like an Indian co-director, but that person didn't get a Best Director nomination, but Doyle did and none of the cast did. It's just like every white person who worked on that movie got nominated for an Oscar. That's so dumb. But anyways, that's uh, that's a whole nother thing. Uh, Oscars are a sham, Joker's getting a lot, and I don't hate Joker. I thought it was a good movie. I know a lot of people love Joker. We found out last night that our friends saw Joker four times. Five, and I'm very worried about We're her. very worried. We're going to check in on her. we're worried about you. Um, I hope you're okay. You should stop watching Joker. It's going to make you crazy. We're going to come do a wellness check this week just to make <laughs> sure that you're okay. It's funny. Uh, Joker kind of... I feel like it kind of tricks people into thinking that it had a clever take on class struggles because there is a class riot at the end of it. Yes. But I think a much better depiction of class struggles is Parasite. Because mm. Parasite really is a movie about upward mobility. And it makes it very literal at times because people are literally on different levels. Yeah. So this is a no spoiler review. So let's okay. uh, talk about it, but very gingerly. Okay. So we won't spoil anything. So it's got subtitles. 
It's in Step Korean. Step one. Yeah. So <laughs> it's uh, Bong Joon-ho who did um, Okja was his last one, maybe. I didn't care for that one. It's a Netflix one. Oh. It's in English. I didn't like it. Uh, Snowpiercer, which is uh, a much more direct and, in my opinion, clunky way of talking about a lot of the same things as Parasite talks about. Oh, interesting. And he did Mother, which I, was, I thought was quite good. It's very heartbreaking. It's a very sad movie. Is that the one with Jennifer Lawrence in it? No, not that Mother. Okay. I was like, I did not like that movie. It's called uh, Oma, but oh, okay. in, in English, Mother. Yeah, that Jennifer Lawrence one was, oh my what God. What the fuck? <laughs> I get it. Like, she's Mother Nature. He represents God. And the movie itself represents very brutal heavy-handedness <laughs> what drugs was i supposed to take before watching that because i was, feel like i was not on the right one it was like look how artsy i am but not like look how artsy i am it's like hitting you over yeah, the face with it's it. like i'm artsy get it um oh yeah back to bong joon Ho. he also <laughs> yes. did um the <laughs> host a meandering review <laughs> the host was a movie where i saw it the first time i was like this is stupid i don't get it why are they like doing all the slapsticky bits and then I lived in Korea for a few years, and I was like, oh, yeah, I get it. That's just that's just Korean humor, and it makes a lot more sense to me now. But um, so it's a lot about class struggles. There's a family, the Kim family, and they literally live, like, half underground. Yes. So they can see what they want, but they, they are down there, and they're very poor, and people who live on, the, like, the surface come by and, like, pee on their apartment. Yeah. Like, drunk people just pee there. And, uh, yeah, they want to be above ground, and they're stealing Wi-Fi, just always trying to get up, to get a little further up. And it's very literal and, of course, figurative as well. Yes. Through some things which we won't talk about, they get employed in a much more upper-class kind of setting. Right, yes. And they do a lot of things to let you know that although these people seem upwardly mobile, there's always something separating them, mm -hmm. like the use of smell. You know, they always talk about how these people have a certain smell. Yeah, there's like a cabbagey kind of <laughs> rotten smell. I don't know if they have said all that, but sure. This is the way she describes it. The the wife describes it. As cabbagey? Yeah. Is that in the movie? I think so. Hmm. Yeah, there is one scene in particular where one of the rich people has their feet up on the headrest right next to the face of one of the lower class people. And they have to just sit there and be like, this is okay that you have your feet next to my face. But then she still comments on the smell of him, mm -hmm. which is like, where do you get the nerve? And yeah. I think the idea of like, where do you get the nerve is kind of boiling in that character in particular. And it comes to a head later on. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I really enjoyed this movie. It was not at all what I was expecting. Yeah, I had heard it was a horror movie. Yeah. It's not. And I was expecting like horror. This was more of a like, crime drama but for the most part it's funny for a lot of the it first is, half yeah. is funny when you're getting to know the family and stuff yeah and actually in the first five minutes i turned to you and i said oh this is gonna be the saddest movie i've ever seen and it seemed like that in the first little bit because yeah. of the the struggle of that family really got to me and then there's like a lot of yeah jokey bits like Pong Chun ho often does and there is some violent parts, but I wouldn't call it a horror. No, absolutely not. And I was expecting this movie to be very scary, mm -hmm. which, which it wasn't. No. And there is then revealed to be a different family who's at a even lower status than them physically yeah. and in other ways. And there's a good little metaphor about how these low class people 
and low physical people yes. can't get together and they could help each other so much and they could kind of overcome these high class people that are keeping them down. Yeah. But they are kind of tricked into fighting each other instead. Yeah, which, which is very much a, kind of a dialogue on class. Mm-hmm. And there's a sequence when there's a lot of rain and everything keeps getting swept lower and lower and lower. Yeah. And that comes to a head with the flooding of the basement. And there's some really good uh, imagery there of everything gets swept clean, we think, from the top. Yeah. But it ends up with just like this literal shitty mess at the bottom. What I liked about it as well, the characters are very conflicting. Like the violence is very Mm -hmm. conflicting. Yeah. Because you're not on anyone's side. Because you could make the argument that you want these people because there's some crime going on. Yeah. And you want them to pay for it. Or are you on their side and you want them to get away with it? Mm-hmm. There's no one that's entirely bad or good. Everything kind of lives in those gray areas a lot. Yeah. Yeah, some very interesting kind of thought-provoking things happen in this movie. And I, I quite liked it. Yeah, it's kind of unflinching in how it shows how terrible people can be. But then it also has touches of humor. But it's not used to undercut tension like no. like all of those Marvel movies will do a little quip and then you're like, oh, yeah, this is just fun times. Nothing matters. But rather it's done to kind of split your allegiances mm, between yeah. the characters because you're like, oh, this person is just fun and nice. They're not a bad person. And then they do something terrible. and You're like, oh, are they, though? <laughs> yeah. Um, I enjoyed this like whole film. And uh, like usually when we watch a movie on like a like a weeknight and we're sitting and usually I'm tired by the end of the movie and this movie was just like riveting. Mm-hmm. I was like totally engaged the entire time. I didn't even think about being tired or anything. It was great. Yeah. And then the name, it kind of makes you make a decision of who the parasites are. Yeah. Is it this family that's scamming a rich family mm-hmm. to gain something from them? Or is it the wealthy people who are just using all of these lower class yes. people and disposing of them when they are no longer of use? And probably not paying them a fair wage. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. But it it seemed like anything was better than what they were making, folding pizza boxes. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it helped them. But at the same time, it probably wasn't what they could have paid them. Yeah, so this was a kind of a weird review because we're talking about thematic stuff, but not giving away plot. Yeah, things. I don't want. I don't want to give away any of the plot because that's part of what makes this movie so good. Yeah, so go watch it. It's entertaining. It's not just like some heavy-handed commentary on social structures. It's a fun watch. It does have that extra layer, and we can't really talk about the ending, but it's kind of fulfilling, if nothing else, mm-hmm. in how things come to a head. Yeah, it's it's very, very interesting to watch. So go watch Parasite. Yeah, go watch it. Check it out. What do you have for a pick of the week this um, week? So I'm in a true crime book club. We all met on the internet. We all happen to live in the same city. So we kind of formed a little book club. And Did um, they listen? You can give them a shout out. The uh, Shout black... out to the Pinot Noir Dahlias. Pinot Noir Dahlias. Yeah. Get it, everyone. Get it. Um... So our book club book this month, um, like, really kind of stayed with me. Um, It's called Working Stiff. It's by Dr. Judy Melnick, who is a – or was a uh, New York City medical examiner. Um, And she was a New York City medical examiner 
on September 11th. Um, and so half of this book is her kind of explaining what a medical examiner does and, like, common questions. Like, she tells stories to kind of answer common questions that people have for a medical examiner. So lots of murder, lots of, like, people dying in suspicious ways. And she talks about all of that. And um, then the second half of the book is her um, kind of working as a medical examiner on September 11th and after. And it's so interesting. Um, and she, it's kind of a take on September 11th you don't really kind of hear about. No, that's a group we often associate it with firefighters, yeah, police. police officers, those first responders. Yeah. But we don't really think about the effect it has on people like this who are kind of she dealing with spent the fallout. Almost a full year, like doing um, kind of autopsies on random tiny little parts of humans that would probably never actually be put back together into a body because there were just so many. Right. And eventually they were like, she did the way she describes it. It was really kind of heartbreaking to hear the way that they had to kind of clean up the disaster site. And um, they were like bringing in a left thigh that was it. And they were trying to go through everything to find, um, like, things that they could help identify the bodies with. So is their ultimate goal to kind of reassemble, for lack of a better no, word, a person? No. no, she's like, usually, like, if it's a car crash or, like, a bus crash or something, we'll try and reassemble the bodies. But she said there were so many pieces. Um, and sometimes it was, like, a pinky finger hmm. or, like a left foot in a tennis shoe or like something like that. It was just like little tiny pieces. And if they could get um, like an ID out of it, they would kind of alert the family and say, yes, we found part of your loved one's body, but they never actually were able to put together a lot of the bodies that they found. Yeah, so she talks about that and she talks about the emotion of that. And then um, she ended up moving to Santa Fe, I think. Got some sweet turquoise jewelry. Yeah, she ends up moving because it just ends up being too much like almost PTSD and too much stress to live and work in this place where such a like awful thing happened. Um, And she left after two years. And so the tagline on the book is two years, 262 bodies and the making of a medical examiner. So it's really, really good. And everyone should read it. What's the name and author again for everyone? Uh, It's called Working Stiff. It's by Dr. Judy Melnick and TJ Mitchell. And it's, uh, it's, it's a quick read. It's actually only like 300 pages. It's not too long at all. And you found it doesn't get kind of bogged down in jargony stuff. Not it's at really all. Light. It was very, um, it was very accessible. Because I mean, I'm not a doctor. I have some medical terminology, but she does a really good job of um, like mixing in normal words. Okay. And, or she'll like say something, and she'll tell you quickly what it is, in kind of non-medical terms, and then move on to the actual stories. There was some really good stories about people. Do you think if someone isn't a true crime person or into the medical side of things, they're still going to find this interesting? I think so. I do. I think so. Um, It's a very interesting story and kind of like you learn about a job that most people don't actually really know what they do. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah. So check it out. Um, And uh, yeah, let us know what you think. Do it. Do it. So, Indy. Yes. (laughs) You look so tired. (laughs) I'm pretty tired. But sometimes we do this and I'm very tired and it's awesome because I'm loopy and silly. But this time I'm just just like... We're just low-key tired. Yeah. Um, So, Indy, I'm very excited to find out 
what the movie this week is because you said you had one and then it didn't really oh yes yeah. so or let's go back until last week originally i was going to do before sunrise which is the julie delpy and why did i say her name she's french i said it like she was italian yeah um julie delpy i was trying to figure out what ethnicity she would be just based on that and ethan hawk <laughs> It's a Richard Linklater one, which is good. And we'll probably do it at some point because this is coming out around Valentine's Day. And I thought it would be fun to do a romance. Yeah. But then we did Gone with the Wind, which was kind of romance in there. There's some romance (laughs) stuff. Kind of romantic. (laughs) There's romance in it. Yes. And because of the things we were talking about, it's like, you know what? Other than Valentine's Day, it's also Black History Month. And we had a lot of issues with that movie, so I thought I should switch it up and do something with a black director, writer, cast, something like that. Are we watching Blackula? No, we're not. Uh. We can just watch Blackula for fun because it's very good. I don't watch movies for fun anymore. That's true. It's work. work. Nothing but work. Do some goddamn work. Actually, we watched Parasite, but I had a feeling we'd end up talking about it on the podcast, so it was kind of (laughs) work. The movie we are going to do is 1989's Do the Right Thing. Oh, interesting. Do you know anything about this movie? No. So it's Spike Lee. Have you heard of him? Yes. Have you seen any of his movies? Um, can you name well, he, some? Um, his big breakout hit was She's Gotta Have It from 86. Do the Right Thing came a little later in 89. He did Jungle Fever. Malcolm X was fantastic and i'm pretty sure denzel got robbed on the best actor in that one they gave it to him for training day they do that a lot where they know they've robbed someone a few times and then they give it to something where they don't deserve it yeah like johnny depp got one for pirates of the caribbean not ed wood pirates of the caribbean or edward scissorhands or like any of those really donnie brasco even yeah uh anyway and then he did clockers which might be my favorite of his but was not terribly well received in uh, 95 he got game which i really liked with jesus shuttlesworth it's about a basketball i'm sorry what was that a basketball player whose name is jesus shuttlesworth okay and it's played by ray allen and ray allen if you don't know is now a hall of fame nba player oh but spike lee thought it would be easier to find a basketball player who could kind of act than an actor who could kind of play basketball right so we got ray allen in it that was another denzel movie and uh, Mila Jovich, but anyway, we're not talking about that. I like when sports movies, just off comment, mm-hmm. um, I like when sports movies use actual athletes. Yeah, it makes a difference. It does. Like, even, like, we're going to bring it back to Bring It On, but in the background of the last, like, the most recent Bring It On movie, uh, they auditioned cheerleaders from all over the world to make up that team. That's one thing, although the... First, Bring It On is clearly better than the fourth yes. one that you got me to watch. The cheerleading is better in the fourth it one. It gets better, yeah. Because they are, there's a lot more athletes who mm-hmm. can kind of act rather than the first one who had actors who could kind of cheerlead. Yes, and then there were like clearly cheerleaders in the background who were like actual cheerleaders, but they still weren't doing everything that they could probably like were capable of doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I like when movies use actual athletes and then, yeah, if they they can act that's a bonus <laughs> yes um back to spike lee his yes. most recent one was black klansman which got a okay. lot of uh, oscar buzz as well from just last year nice okay so i'm familiar with a few of those movies but have you seen any of them i don't think so so do black klansman was one that i kind of thought looked interesting 
So do the right thing is an interesting one, and I chose it for a couple of different reasons. So I was kind of critical of Gone with the Wind because it t- tried to hide a lot of the race relations. Stuff. Right, yes. And do the right thing, that's at the forefront. That's what the movie's about. Okay. That's exactly what it's about, and it's very head-on. There's nothing passive about mm-hmm. this movie. It's also a type of movie that we haven't really done in that exuberance is right on the screen. It might be jarring for a lot of people if you're used to watching just whatever movie you see in the theater because right. the style of this is can be bizarre or over the top a lot of the times. Right. There are parts of the movie where a character will talk right to the camera and it's not something that happens in the movie, but it's just kind of giving you the feel of things. Oh. So there's stuff that doesn't exactly take place in the world of the movie, but we see it on screen. There's dance sequences at the beginning that it's not something that's in the world of the movie, but it's setting a mood Hmm. and how things are shot. It's very extreme. Like, you know that people would go like a little bit of a low angle shot if they want to make someone more intimidating. Yeah. This does it to an extreme degree. And he's really playing with those little conventions of film that... That he definitely stopped doing as he became a more seasoned, more uh, commercial, maybe, director. Oh, interesting. This is when he's still very much a uh, a film school kind of director. Mm-hmm. Okay. And yeah, the youth and exuberance and kind of bombastic style is really mm-hmm. present in the movie. So that'll be hopefully fun to watch. <laughs> I haven't seen this in a very long time. As oh, okay. Well. And I was just watching the trailer now. And it's... Uh, yeah, it's jarring. It's like right in your face. It's an in-your-face movie, that's for sure. Okay, well, I'm excited to see a trailer. It's gonna be a scorcher today. Universal Pictures presents a new film from Spike Lee. Good morning, Miss Mother's sister. Now, Mookie, don't work too hard today. The man says it's gonna be hot as the devil. I've been here 25 years. LaSalle's famous pizzeria is here to stay. Trust me. Mookie, the last time I trusted you, we ended up with the sun. Hey, Sal, how am I gonna burst on the wall here? You want brothers on the wall? Love. Get your own place, you can do what you wanna do. What'd I tell you about that noise? What'd I tell you about them pictures? You talk some brother talk to him. You the man. No, you the man. No, you the man. No, you the man. The first time you turn your back, boom! Ah! Right here, man, in the back. You know, deep down inside, I think you wish you were black. <laughs> Who told you to step on my sneakers? Who told you to walk on my side of the block? Who told you to be in my neighborhood? I own this brownstone. Who told you to buy a brownstone on my block in my neighborhood on my side of the street? I can't even hear myself think! From Spike Lee, director of School Days, and she's got to have it. Good people, please. If we don't stop this, we can stop it now. We're going to do something we're going to regret for the rest of our lives. Doctor. Come on, what, what? Always do the right thing. That's it? That's it. I got it. I'm gone. So, what do you think? I think it looks interesting. It looks a lot like Dog Day Afternoon. Okay, I guess there's a certain grittiness to it. Like, but... and it's like New York streets, and like I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'm just 
because that's like the most recent 1970s movie I've seen. But this is from 89. Okay. <laughs> so it's definitely not 70s, but I get that there's that grittiness and authenticity, perhaps. To yeah. It. This was just shot on a block in Brooklyn. Oh, interesting. So it's not sound stages or anything like that. It's huh. as authentic as a film could be, I guess, without being a documentary. Right. It was produced, written, directed, and stars Spike Lee. Interesting. Okay. Uh, you have Danny Aiello, Ozzy Davis, Ruby D, John Turturro. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, but he's one of my favorite actors that you kind of forget is in so many things. Because he's not a lead in a lot of things. He was in all those Coen Brothers movies, but John Turturro is fantastic. He's very good in this. Uh, Sam Jackson is in it. Rosie Perez. And the story is about uh, Brooklyn neighborhood. There's a lot of racial tension. And there's a lot of great neighborhood characters. A lot of them aren't maybe the leads, but there's a lot of, uh, I think character is the best word for them. Yeah. They have a lot oh, of character. they're very much characters. Because Bill Nunn is in it as Radio Rahim. Radio Rahim's one of my favorites. I like him a lot. And I think a lot of this is really applicable today because there's issues with their interactions with the police. This movie is kind of important to show not how far we have come, but... Kind of how far we haven't. Yeah. Yeah, that these issues that were at the forefront of this movie in 1989 are the exact same issues we deal with right now. Oh, it's depressing. Okay, well, I'm excited to watch this. What's it look like to you? What do you think is going to happen going on? What kind of feel do you get from the shots that we saw there? It feels very like like there's going to be like turf war. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... And it looks like there's some kind of romance happening kind of peripherally and uh, a really grumpy pizza shop owner. Yeah, yeah, he's pretty grumpy. Do you want to hear some fun facts about the movie? Sure. So during the ceremonies for the Oscars in 1990, Kim Basinger was giving out the award and she was listing off who was nominated. And after she listed them all off, she went off script and said, we've got five great films here. And they're great for one reason, because they tell the truth. But there is one film missing from this list that deserves to be on it, because ironically, it might tell the biggest truth of all, and that's do the right thing. So she called them out and said, like, why isn't this nominated? I like that. Yeah. It did get Academy Award nominations for Best Original Screenplay and Best Supporting Actor for Danny Aiello. And in 1999, it was deemed culturally and historically and aesthetically significant and was added to the National Film Registry by the Library of Congress. Cool. And one of my favorite little bits of trivia is that the Obamas saw it on their first date. Oh. Yeah, isn't that nice? Oh, the Obamas. And what's even more remarkable is that their second choice was Driving Miss Daisy, <laughs> which are you familiar with that? No, I, I just know so kind it's of the a pop lot culture around it. Like an old white woman and her black servant. Ooh. And it's maybe a great movie I haven't seen in a long time, so I don't want to like bash it or anything. But to go from that to do the right thing is kind of says a lot about them. Oh, I like that they saw it on their first date. Yeah. It was originally going to be a Paramount movie, but they wanted things toned down. So Spike Lee left. Uh, That same weekend, he sold it to Universal instead, won the script as is. Oh, interesting. That's cool. And after it debuted in Cannes at the film festival there, there was a lot of pressure for them to move the release date because they thought this movie would incite riots. Incite riots? Yeah. Wow. I'm not going to say too much about that now because we'll watch the movie and we'll talk about the whole controversy about right. uh, 
all these riots that were definitely going to come from this movie and did not happen. <laughs> did not happen. Yeah. Okay. So, Indy, when was the first time you saw this movie? I may have actually only seen it once. Oh, interesting. So when I was in my late teens, early 20s, and I was in university, I was really uh, a film nerd and just trying to get everything I could, <laughs> just watch everything I nerd. could. Just trying to consume <laughs> as many different films as I could. Right. And I saw it at that time. I thought it was great. I was really into Spike Lee movies, um, maybe his later stuff or later at that time. Yeah. So his uh, 90s stuff, his later 90s stuff, I liked a lot. Right. As a basketball playing high school kid, I really loved He Got Game. (laughs) And Clockers, I think, was my favorite. But I saw it then and I thought it was really important. And it's kind of one that stuck with me. When I saw the trailer, I realized I don't remember as much as I think I do, but there's a lot of sequences, a lot of shots that I still remember, even though I might not have seen this movie since I was 20 years old. So Interesting. Like, it's oh. maybe been like 15 years since I've seen it, so I'm really curious if I love it as much as I think I do. Huh. I'm interested to know that too, because I feel like there's like movies that you kind of think of nostalgically Mm -hmm. and then you watch them again and either you've changed, you've grown up or you have different kind of thoughts on things and then you rewatch them and all of a sudden you're like, oh, that's not the movie I remember it being. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I picked it because of the like the political things we were talking about and I needed a fill in for that. And it was the first one that came to mind. I thought about a few other options and I was like, you know what? That's something that tackles this head on. Let's just go for it. Right. Even if I turn say that, like, you know what? This is a kind of amateurish and not as great as I thought. That's fine. Because I think it's going to give us something to talk about. Yeah. That's good. And after all, isn't that why we're here? That is why we podcast. If we watched a movie we didn't have anything to talk about, that it wouldn't make very good podcasting. Yeah. Go back and listen to the Bride Wars episode because oh that happened. <laughs> like, we were both like, all right, now what? We didn't <laughs> yeah. have a lot to say. No. Yeah. No. Live and learn. I'm a lot more critical with my movies now. Or if it's really bad, then they're fun. Like, the Bring It On 4 episode is one of my favorites still. Yeah, that was a fun one to listen to. <laughs> with the Double Dragon. Oh, the Double Dragon. I am watched. I just watched Double Dragon yesterday. I know, I was like, oh, you're watching Bring It On again? <laughs> no. Nope. Just by yourself? Double Dragon, the post-apocalyptic kung fu based on a video game movie. Oh, yeah. interesting. It's pretty bad. But it has <laughs> Alyssa Milano. Everyone loves her, right? He, uh, yeah, universally loved. Yeah. Okay, well, should we go watch it? Yeah, let's do it. So this one, it should be pretty easy to find. It's one of those that was selected by the Criterion Collection, so oh, it can be found there. another Criterion. There's just quality Blu-rays all around. Get it from your local library. All if around. they don't have it, suggest that they buy it. Yeah. Well, you can do that at libraries, you know? You can. And they'll usually get it. Mm-hmm. And this one, there's very valid reasons why a library should have it. You can say that the Library of Congress selected it, so why don't you have it? It's true. <laughs> all right, well, watch it. And we'll talk about it next week. Excellent. You can contact us on all the social medias. You can send us an email. And we'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Okay, bye now. It was a webinar. A webinar. Yeah. Is that like a seminar? No, it's seminar. But you say webinar. Yes. That sounds like a delicious French web-based pastry. No. A webinar. A webinar is like online learning. I believe that's a webinar. No, it's not a webinar. That sounds bad. Do you know that it comes from seminar? No.
But I think it's pronounced differently because of the other letters in it. But it's no. <laughs> Bienvenue à la webinaire. 